One of my conclusions, and I have a bunch of them, but one of my conclusions is that you can tell a lot about a person by how they pray. And I believe if you could hear a person pray that you could know their heart, you would know their mind, that you would really know something about their character. Now, I'm not talking about some theatrical prayer fashioned for the ears of people, a, a show of prayer. We've all heard those before. But I'm talking about the sincere prayer of a person. I believe if we could listen in, if we could hear that prayer, you could tell a lot about a person. Well, isn't it awesome that we have this prayer of Jesus recorded here in John chapter 17? Isn't it awesome what we are seeing of Jesus in his prayer? Now think about that. We are actually seeing his heart, seeing his desire, really his character revealed in his prayer. It starts and we see that his goal uh, his mission is honestly to glorify the Father. Now, that, that uh, matches up with his character. It's not uh, self-serving. It is to glorify the Father. Now, he does that by securing salvation for mankind, but, but notice and see his heart is for the Father's glory. Uh, remember in verse 1 of chapter 17, it says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Well, tonight, as he continues in his prayer, we see his heart for his disciples, for those that he has chosen to carry out his work, his will, in his absence. In our verses, we will see his heart for them. We will see also his hope for them. And really as an added bonus, we will see tonight the requirements, the necessary requirements for his disciples to be successful in their mission. And really, those are the things that he is praying for. And so we're going to see the necessary requirements for his disciples to be successful. Tonight, our message is entitled, The Worker and the Word. The Worker and the Word. Tonight, we're in John chapter 17. Verses 6 through 12. John chapter 17, verses 6 through 12. The worker and the word. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Jesus is speaking. Jesus is praying beginning in verse 6. I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words which you gave me, I have given to them. And they received them and truly understood that I came forth from you and they believed that you sent me. I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all things that are mine are yours." and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are. 
While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me. And I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come tonight. We're thankful tonight. We're thankful for this opportunity. We're thankful for a good day. We're thankful for a a good week. We're thankful for this Friday tonight. Lord, I pray uh, that we would seek you in it, that we would hear from you in it. I pray that you would be blessed, that you would be pleased with it. I pray that we would be encouraged, that we would be grown through it. Lord, we come and I pray that the fruit of, of this night would be that again that your church would be, would be developed, encouraged, built, uh, prepared for the mission that we have at hand. And I pray that the lost, those that do not know you, that in the hearing of the good news of a Savior, would trust in you. And so, Lord, we pray that you would move. We pray you would speak. We know it's your word. And I pray that the fruit would be much glory heaped upon you. Lord, I pray for these here tonight. Bless them. Encourage them. And I pray, Lord, as as we turn into your word, Lord, that you would truly speak. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As we start back tonight, we find Jesus just before the cross praying for his disciples. Now, uh, that really is not a surprising thing. Now, that is not anything new. And we read in the Gospel of Luke that he prays before he chooses them. Uh, In the Gospel accounts, we read that he prays with them. And we read that not only that, he at their request teaches them to pray And so it is perfectly in character tonight as he is soon to leave them that we find him in prayer for them. Very simply tonight, understand, Jesus prays for his disciples. Now, while there is much to see in this prayer tonight, I want to use this opportunity to pull out or to lift out five necessary requirements for Jesus' disciples to successfully carry out their vital mission. Now, I believe these are the things that he is praying for, but we're going to pull out these five necessary requirements for Jesus' disciples to successfully carry out their vital mission. Now, be sure, these five were necessary for them, and then tonight, these five are necessary for us as well. That's a tremendous thing. We're going to learn as we watch them. These five were necessary for them. These five are necessary for us as well. Be sure and see this. The upholding and the spread of the saving gospel of Jesus depended on them. Really, we can't understand the magnitude of this, but that's the truth. The upholding, the keeping And the spread of the saving gospel of Jesus depended on them. If they failed, the outcome would be catastrophic. Also, be sure and see tonight, also the upholding and the spread of the saving gospel of Jesus depends likewise on us. It also falls on us. We need to be sure of that. And if we fail the outcome will also be catastrophic. Eternities hang in the balance. 
All right, let's look. Let's begin. First, we see the requirement for a disciple is that they must know the truth. They must know the truth. Let's begin by looking at verse 6. I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Jesus says, these men that you've given to me out of the world. Now, it's not talking about salvation. There are some that say these verses are talking about they were chosen out of the world for salvation. No, it's talking about these specific men that were chosen for this task. We saw earlier they were chosen to bear fruit. In fact, the Bible says much fruit. He says to them, Jesus, he has manifested your name. He has manifested your name. Now, the word manifested translates to reveal or to make known. And so to these that have been chosen for this task, he has manifested, he has made known, he has revealed your name. Now, this is a big thing. See this. This is more than just talking about the name of God or a name of God. It is talking about the totality of who God is. That was wrapped up in the name. And so it is talking about the truth of God. It is the total truth of God. He is creator. He is all-powerful. He is eternal. He is infinite in wisdom. He is holy. On and on we could go. Those things are wrapped up in the totality of the truth of God. And so be sure tonight, it is the total truth of God Jesus has made known to the disciples. He has made known to them the truth of God. The first requirement is that as disciples, we must know the truth. Understand tonight, today it is no different. Disciples must know the truth of God. It would be crazy to think otherwise. A disciple must know the truth of God. I'll tell you, many a disciple has been derailed or has been defeated or maybe has been absent from the mission because they did not know the truth. A disciple must know the truth. Now, you might ask, well, how would we know the truth? We're going to get there maybe tomorrow, but in verse 17, it says, your word is truth. We know from God's word. A disciple must know the truth. That's the first thing we see in this prayer. The second thing we see is that a disciple must remain in the truth. A disciple must remain in the truth. Verse 6 again. I have made known, revealed your name, the truth of who you are, to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. And they have kept your word. A very important phrase at the end of the verse. And they have kept your word. Now, the word for kept, uh, the, the translation means they have held on to. They have stayed with. Your word. I've given them the truth of you, of your word, and they have held on to it. 
They have stayed with it. Now, it could mean that they have kept it in practice, in obedience. It does mean that, but it means more than that. It means they have held on to it in purity. Now, what that means is they did not let some of it slip away. And so here's the truth of God. Here's the truth Jesus has revealed. They didn't let some of it slip away. Now, not only did they not let some of it slip away, they did not add other things to it. They didn't add other false teachings to it. So they have held the word. They have kept your word. Now, I want you to notice here the word. They have kept your word. Word is singular. It is a single thing. And so it's not all of these words. No, again, it is the totality of all of those words, the total truth of God. It is one thing. Friends, be sure tonight, we not only have to know the word of God, we have to guard it, we have to uphold it, we have to protect it, especially in a day that we're living in when people say anything goes, especially in a day when, when people say God's word is changing. Have you heard that today? God's word is changing or God's word needs updating, especially in a day when people say they have new words or fresh words or additional words. We have to remain, we have to keep the truth. Psalm 119 verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Now I want you to hear this. This is awesome. God's word is living. It is active. It speaks. It is relevant. It is timely. But it is set and it does not change. God's word does not change. It is fixed it is settled in heaven, and we must remain, keep his truth. We must remain in his truth. Third thing, we must be confident in the truth. We must be confident in the truth. Now, see how this is a growing thing. Let me read, let me read verse 7. Now, they have come to know. It was a process they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. Now, they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. Verse 8, for the words which you gave me, I have given them, and they received them and truly understood that I came forth from you, and they believed that you sent me. Understand tonight, the words of Jesus and the words of God and the message of the gospel, all of these are not disjointed. They're the same. There's not, well, there's the message of the gospel and there's not, well, there's the message of Jesus and there's the words of God. No, these are all the words of God. That's what he says here. The message of good news, it's from the Father. The words I speak, I was given them by the Father. These all are the words of God. He says they have come to know that, and they are sure of that. Friends, I want you to see this tonight. You cannot be confident in your mission if you're not confident in your message. 
Now, I'll just tell you, there's a whole lot of churches today, and they don't know their mission. I, I always laugh. There's churches, and, and I watch in different places, different cities, and they'll take polls of the community. What is our mission? And they'll send out flyers to the, to the area around the church, and they'll say, what is our mission? And they'll say, well, we'd like one of these, and, and we'd like a, a soup line, and we'd like something like this, and an after-school program. Listen, you won't be confident in the mission if you're not confident in the message. And as believers, we can have total confidence in our message because it is the word of God. We know what our mission is because we know what the message is because it comes from the word of God. Because these are the words of God, they are perfect because he is perfect. Because these are the words of God, they are timeless. They're not gonna need updating because he is eternal he is timeless because these are the words of God. They are perfect in wisdom. We're not going to stumble upon some, some problem here. Understand, this is the message that he has for you because it is from him. So I want you to know tonight, and listen very carefully, especially younger folks. Be certain the Bible's account of the creation account, you can trust it. The, the flood in the Bible, you can trust it. The words of the prophets, you can trust it. The historical record, whoa, it doesn't, it doesn't claim to be a history book, does it? The historical record of the Bible, you can trust it. The miracles in the Bible, you can trust it. The gospel of grace of Jesus, listen, you can trust it. I wonder how many disciples are failing because they don't know the truth. I wonder how many are failing because they haven't remained in the truth and they've, they've added something to the truth or they've taken something away from it. And I wonder the great many that are failing because they are not confident in the word of truth. They're not confident in the Bible. I wonder how many disciples are failing because of that. I remember when I went to college and I got to college and, and folks started to say, well, there's contradictions in the Bible. There's contradictions, and they start to point some of them out. And then they say, well, science seems to say something else. And you're saying this, but what about this? And what about this thing? And science seems to say something else other than the Bible. And then someone else would say, well, what are the odds that humans could re re record this and humans have kept the record of it? You know the game where you play the phone game and it gets all messed up? Well, this is going to be all messed up too. What are the odds that it could be recorded? And on and on it would go, and I would hear some in a class, and I'd hear some in a different setting, and I might even hear some at a church. And here's what I thought. I better just be silent. That's what I thought. I'd like to say now, boy, I busted in there and I just told him, here's how it is. You know what I thought? I thought, maybe it's not supposed to make sense. Maybe it's not supposed to make sense. And that's why we receive it on faith. And that's what I'd say. Well, I don't know how to explain that. Well, I'll just take it on faith. Listen to me tonight. That is absolute nonsense. These are the words of God, and if you can trust God, you can trust his word. And let me just tell you something else. If you can't trust his word, here's the, the fruit of that. You will not trust him. 
And so when we got a world saying, well, maybe these first 11 chapters we got to set aside and maybe this doesn't make any sense and maybe these miracles are symbolic and maybe the resurrection never happened. Listen, if you do not trust the word of God, you will not trust him and that is the plan of Satan. Verse nine, I ask, Jesus goes on praying, I ask on their behalf, I do not ask on behalf of the world, that's strange, but of those whom you have given me, for they are yours. An interesting verse, Jesus says, I ask, a better translation, I pray, that's what it means, I'm asking, I pray, I pray on their behalf, the disciples' behalf, but I do not pray, I do not ask on behalf of the world. Now see this, here he is praying for each of his disciples. He is praying deliberately for these disciples. He's not praying for the world here, he is praying for these disciples. Now listen, it doesn't mean he doesn't love the world, he says that he does. It doesn't mean that he doesn't desire that the world will be saved, he has said that he does. But see this, watch this, The way you impact the world, the way you reach the lost world is with faithful, obedient, truth-knowing, truth-proclaiming disciples of Jesus Christ. And we wonder, why is it, well, why does it seem like the current's overrunning us? Why does it seem like there's an avalanche today? Listen, we need disciples that are truth-knowing and truth-proclaiming because that is how you reach a lost and dying world. That's how you do it. So he prays for them. Verse 10. And all the things that are mine are yours and yours are mine. And I have been glorified in them. I ask on their behalf and I have been glorified in them. Now here's an awesome thought in verse 10. These disciples, faithfulness to the truth, to know it, to remain in it, to be confident in it, to proclaim it, has glorified Jesus. And that's what that verse says. Their their commitment to the truth has lifted Jesus up, has exalted Jesus. Sometimes you think, well, I want to lift Jesus up. I want to exalt Jesus. Their commitment to the truth, to proclaim it, has exalted Jesus. Be sure, see this tonight. Listen, we have that same potential. You have that same potential. And when we are people of the truth, when we are disciples serving that truth, Jesus, our Savior, is glorified. Part of the dream of these hundred days is that when the smoke has all cleared and the last video has been shared and when the lights are turned out, that we would be sure, more than that, listen to this, that the world would know there is a Savior and there is a risen Lamb and there is a King and He has been lifted up and He is alive today and He so loves you that He offers you salvation. The dream of these hundred days is that when it's over, the world would know we have a Savior in Jesus. Verse 11. If I had a better voice, I might have yelled that, but I don't. So verse 11. I am no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. That's the truth. I come to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are. 
I am no longer, listen, these are all important words. Verse 11, I am no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are. Listen tonight, we toil in the world, the world that hates the truth, the world that hates Jesus, the world that hates because of that, his followers. We toil in the world, a world that is misled, a world that has been uh, missing the truth, a world that is lied to. We toil in the world, a world that is hurting, a world that is lost, and a world that has no hope. We toil in the world, a world that God so loves, the world that Jesus died for, the world that can be saved in the grace of God and the hearing of the gospel. So we toil in the world. So Jesus says, Holy Father, keep them in your name. Keep them in your name. I want you to stay with me. Some people say, and in fact, I'll just be honest with you, most people say that this means protect them in the power of your name. And that's what most people say. That's what most people teach. Keep them in the power of your name. I'm leaving. And, and so in the power of the name of Jesus, keep them safe, protect them, be with them. And that's what most people think. I don't think so. You see, I believe we are kept and we are protected, and we are sealed in the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. And so I don't think he has to pray that for us here. We are filled as believers with the Holy Spirit of God. I think this is the same thing as verse 6. His name is the totality of the truth of God. I don't think it's changed. I don't see how it would have changed. And so I'm thinking that he's saying here, Keep them in the totality of the truth of your word. So I believe Jesus prays, keep them in your truth. Do not let them leave it. Do not let them fall away from it. Keep them in your truth. I've seen it. The most dangerous thing a believer can do is leave the word of God. Most dangerous, you want to know what the, well, what about this? The most dangerous thing a believer can do is leave the word of God. And, and either they start to take in false teaching and they get a little bit of this and they get a little bit of that and all of a sudden the false teaching takes them over. Either they start to take in false teaching or they just get complacent and they get out of the word of God. They're not hearing it. They're not studying it. One time they were, but they've, they've gotten complacent and they've left it. Or maybe they start to lose confidence in it, and I'm not sure. It doesn't make much sense to me. And the most dangerous thing a believer can do is leave the word of God. Let me tell you something. Today there is a push, and it is all around us, and it rears up even here. I've seen it over and over again. There is a push all around and even rearing up here sometimes to belittle the word of God. There is a push today to say, you know what? We need something more than the word of God. We need something else than the word of God. This is too old fashioned. This is too outdated. You've left this behind 50 years ago. Or we need a greater thing than the word of God. You know what? We're gonna need a greater thing. 
Or we need a greater experience than just coming and studying the Word of God. And so we, we can do all these things, and we can have all these things. We want a greater experience than the Word of God. Or I hear folks that say, you know what, this limits us. This is a big old limit. This limits us. Or I've had folks say, this limits God. This puts God in a box. All over the place I hear that. Folks, be sure tonight. That is a lie from the hater of God and the hater of God's word, Satan himself. And I want you to be sure tonight, folks, what we need today in our world, look around what we need in our culture, what we need in our nation, what we need in our town, what we need in our church is not something better than the word of God. What we need is a return and a resurgence of the word of God. That's what we need. So that's the fourth thing. Cling to the truth. A disciple's gonna have to cling to the truth. Cling to the truth. Now he prays for it, and so we're gonna cling to it in his power. In his power. Then there's one last thing tonight, and that is this. A disciple's gonna have to be unified in the truth. Unified in the truth. In the truth. This is important for us to see. Unified in the truth. Let me read verse 11 again. I am no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, listen, that they may be one even as we are. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name which you've given me, and I guarded them. And not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. There is a push today, and it's, it's worldwide, it's in our nation. There's a push today for unity. And, and, and really, it's, it's, it's the greatest thing you can do is be unified with everybody, not upset anybody, not have a difference with anybody, and it's taken over the church. We want to be unified, but I want to tell you, and I'm going to warn you tonight, what is being called unity is not actually unity, it's compromise. And the world comes along, and the world's idea is that you'll set aside your differences, and you'll set aside the things that separate us. Here's the things that separate us. We'll set them aside, and setting aside those things will be unified, and at all costs, the goal is to be unified. The best thing that could ever happen is that we'd be unified. Listen to me and be sure. Hear this. As believers, what unifies us is not the side of town we're from. It's not our worship preferences. It's not our wealth. It's not our likes or our dislikes. It's not our styles or our programs. Listen, you can have all those. You can compromise all those. It won't matter one bit. Listen to me tonight. What unifies the church of Jesus Christ is the truth of the word of God. That is where we unify. That is the tie that binds us. That is what is central for us because central to it is Jesus, our Savior. So I want you to hear tonight what we unify around is the truth of the word of God. That's what we unify around, the truth of the word of God. And so let me tell you the flip side of that. So if we need to separate, 
Here's the divided line, the truth of the word of God. We cannot for any reason compromise the truth of the word of God. Well, what if it upsets some folks? Listen, this is the dividing line. What if they don't like it? What if we ought to get along? What if, what if we make a better picture, a poster? The dividing line is the truth of the word of God, the unifying thing for believers saved in the grace of our God is the word of God. This is what unifies us as believers. Here's the point tonight. A disciple of Christ is a disciple of the truth, is a disciple of the word. Here's the question. So are you. Do you know the word? Do you remain in the word? Are you confident in the word? Do you cling to the word? Are you unified in the word? Disciple of Christ is a disciple of the word, a disciple of the truth. So are you. Let's pray. Father, we come. We're thankful for tonight. We're thankful for this truth. Lord, I pray as we've heard it, that we would, we would, we would want to be in your word that we would want to read your word and study your word and know your word, that we would know our gospel, that we would know our Savior, that we would we'd have a fuller, better understanding of, of who you are. And I pray, Lord, that we would be disciples of the word of God, that we would know it, that we wouldn't compromise it, that we would uphold it, that we would cling to it, Lord, that we would proclaim it in a world that needs it, that's dying apart from it. Lord, that we'd be unified in it. Lord, that we would... We would, we would cling together. We'd serve your cause in precious unity, unified in the word of God. Lord, help us to be disciples that look like that. And then, Lord, I pray that the, the fruit of that is this, a lost and, and sick and dying, hurting world would see the good news of that word, Jesus. Lord, I pray tonight as we conclude this service that you've built us, encouraged us, trained us, equipped us, and I pray for some that... that do not know you. I pray that in the hearing of the word, that they would see the word of that Jesus, the hope of that word Jesus, that they would trust you tonight. Lord, we ask that you move in our time of invitation. We trust it to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna close tonight with a time of response. And I wanna tell you that the point to all of this is that we'd know Jesus. The point from Genesis to Revelation is that we'd know Jesus. The point to preaching through John is that we'd know Jesus. I want to tell you, in knowing Jesus, there's the forgiveness of sin. In knowing Jesus, there's reconciliation with the Holy God. The point to all this is that we'd know Jesus. Here's the truth. We're sinners, all of us. Not knowing Jesus, we're stuck in that sin, condemned in that sin, guilty in that sin, hopeless in that sin. But in knowing Jesus, we can be forgiven, restored, redeemed, renewed, forgiven, given eternal life. The Bible says Jesus comes, he lives a life of no sin, that he could die as the remedy for sin, the payment for sin, the Lamb of God. That's what he does. He pays for it in his death. They put him in a grave. Three days later, he comes out, he's alive. He's victorious. He's defeated death. He stands as the risen Savior. The Bible says if you will trust that tonight, on a Friday night, if you'll trust that, sick of your sin, tired of your guilt, burdened by the shame of your, uh, of your sin, if you would trust him, he'll save you tonight. He'll forgive you tonight. Trust Jesus tonight. If you've never trusted him, turn to Jesus. Trust him tonight. Maybe you're here and you've made a decision for Christ, but you've never fought on believer's baptism. 
I want to encourage you to come as well and say, Lord, I want to be obedient to Christ. I want to testify, and I want that to be part of my testimony. You come as well. We'll set a date. It'll be a great day of celebration. Maybe you're here looking for a church home and you've prayed about it, believe God has led you here. You come as well. Together we'll serve upholding his word, preaching his gospel until he comes back and gets us. Maybe tonight on a Friday night, you want to come pray to an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. I would encourage you, pray for this effort. As it starts to tick down, pray that God will use it, that he will be known through it. So we stand and sing. If you have a decision to make, you step out and you come on. I'll meet you here.